Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. Glad that you're here with us today. If you are here for the first time, last week we started a new series entitled Lost. And in this series, what we're doing is we are exploring together the heart of our God. We're exploring things that really matter to him, things that matter so much that he's spending all of his time, all of his energy focusing on these things. And those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, those of us who say, you know what, I, I'm part of that group, I'm following Jesus, then we should find ourselves focusing as much energy as God does on the things that we are exploring together in this series. Now, last week we learned that God is focusing all of his time and energy on finding lost people as people who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible describes those people as being lost spiritually. In a spiritual sense, they're lost if they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And God cares very much about that because the reality is everyone who is lost will one day pass away. And when they do, if they are not found in a relationship with God, they'll spend an eternity apart from him. So while we live on this earth, we have an opportunity to be found by God or to remain lost. And God cares very much about lost people because lost people will spend an eternity away from him. And he doesn't want that. He doesn't want that for for anyone. So he's spending, again, all of his time, all of his energy searching the world to find every lost person that will allow themselves to be found. Now, we're going to see the reality of that echoed again in today's message, but I'm going to try today to answer the question, who is God looking for? Like, who does God really want to be a part of his family? Who does God want to be a part of of his group? Now, it might seem like we've already answered that question when we say that God's looking for lost people, but we're going to dig deeper into this today, and here's why. The answer to this question of who God is looking for, who is God after, the answer to this question has huge implications for us individually and as a church. It should determine how we live as a church. It should determine how we treat each other. It should determine how we treat our community. It should determine who we open our doors to. So again, this has big implications for for us as a church. Now, to answer this question, who is God looking for, we're going to take a look at the people that Jesus chose to spend most of his time with. Jesus selected a very small group to to do life with for three and a half years. And that group was called the 12 disciples. They're also called the uh, apostles. And so Jesus selected this small group and spent a majority of his time teaching them the heart of our God. And so that's where we're going to start today, just looking at, at who Jesus put around himself. Now, you would think that when Jesus came to earth, being God in the flesh, that he would have chosen the most religious people he could find. You would think that he would have looked for, for people who had been to maybe Bible college or seminary, who'd been professionally trained in, in matters of religion. But Jesus did not do that. Jesus went around inviting some very ungodly people to be a part of his inner circle that was going to transform the world. 
It's amazing to to see who Jesus selected for that first group. We're going to actually see that in Matthew chapter 10 today. It gives us one of the lists of the 12 disciples. Again, these were the men handpicked by Jesus, hand-chosen. Jesus went away and prayed, said, God the Father, who do you want me to select? And then Jesus went around picking. He walked through crowds and he said, "I, I pick you and you and you, well, not you, like the person behind you, like move over. Yeah, yeah, the, that person, that's, that's who I want. So like, that's like, kind of like how it went when Jesus selected, hand-selected who he wanted to be a part of his inner group. He said, listen, I want you to follow me and I'm gonna teach you the heart of our God. I'm gonna show you who our God is after. I'm gonna show you who matters to our God. I'm gonna show you who should be part of our group. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 2, it says, here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter, then Andrew, Peter's brother, James, son of Zebedee, John, James' brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Now, again, we've got a very interesting group of people that Jesus has chosen to be a part of his inner circle. And I think what we're going to learn today, like none of us would have chosen them. None of us would have selected them to be a part of our dream team, to to be a part of maybe a new business launch or a new business adventure that we wanted to, to transform our community or the world. We wouldn't have chosen them. And yet Jesus did. These were just ordinary men. Peter, Andrew, James, John, and Philip, they were all fishermen. Not a very prestigious job in Jesus' day. And actually, Peter was known as kind of a loudmouth, kind of a hothead. If you know anything about Peter, he was the kind of guy that was very impulsive, often said the wrong thing because he was so impulsive, stuck his foot in his mouth all the time. Anybody can identify with that? Anybody like that? You can point to somebody if they're next to you. All right, so that's kind of the Peter. Like, hey, charge into battle. Like, oops, maybe I shouldn't have said that, shouldn't shouldn't have have done that. And we've got James and John, who were called sons of thunder, Jesus called them sons of thunder, which probably refers to the fact that that at times they were rather opinionated and kind of cocky. There there was one moment that they went up to this guy who God chose to use to do some really cool things in their community. They went up to the guy and said, you have to stop because you're not part of our group. I mean, can you imagine telling somebody who's doing something really good, you can't do that because you're not in the club. So, So they actually said that. And then on another occasion, they went to Jesus and said, Jesus, can you give us positions of of great authority in your kingdom? Like when we get in your kingdom, can we have the highest positions possible? Can we sit on your right and your left? And when all the other disciples heard that, they thought, how could you be so, so selfish and cocky? Why would you ask for that? I mean, why would you do that? And so these guys were a little bit off in in that department. For Bartholomew and Thaddeus, we don't know much about those two disciples. Then we've got Thomas, who later got the nickname Doubting Thomas. So Thomas doubted that Jesus had risen from the grave. He said, listen, I'm not going to believe that. There's no way I'm going to believe that. Unless he's standing here in front of me, and I get to, to touch him. I get to see that he's real. I get to put my fingers in the nail holes. I get to put my, my hand in this, the, the wound in his side where the, the spear went through. I'm not going to believe that. So if you've ever doubted, if you've ever thought, you know, I'm just not so sure, you're in good company. Thomas doubted. 
And I think that's why Jesus walked straight up to Thomas after his resurrection. He came up to Thomas and said, Thomas, here I am. Go ahead, touch me, feel me. Put your fingers right here. Like, put your hand in my side. See that I am real, that I am the resurrected Savior. So Thomas wasn't doubting anymore after Jesus had done that. We've got Matthew, who was a tax collector, and we learned a little bit about tax collectors last week. We've got Simon, uh, he was called a zealot, and Judas... The guy who betrayed Jesus was basically a thief. And guess what position Jesus gave him in the group? He was the banker. So the guy that was stealing money from the other disciples, Jesus said, here, uh, why don't you hold the money? Jesus knew that about him. He knew that's what he was doing. He knew he was taking money off the top, putting it in his pocket. And Jesus put him in charge of the money. So again, it's really interesting to see who Jesus handpicked to be a part of this group that was gonna transform the world. Now this passage tells us something interesting about two of the disciples. Many of them we hear, you know, they were, this person was related to this person, was a son of this person or, or a brother to this person. But there are two that we get a little bit more information about. We learn about one disciple's job and we learn about another disciple's political affiliation. So verse four tells us that Simon was a zealot. Now a zealot was like an extreme Jewish political party, but it was a little bit more than that. You see, in Jesus' day, Romans occupied the land of Israel. So the Israelites were basically slaves to Rome. And a zealot was a Jew who hated the Romans so much that they were willing to engage in physical violence to fight against Rome in any way possible. They would fight in any way possible against Rome. So to a Roman, a zealot, anybody that was labeled, that would label themselves that or was labeled in that group as a zealot, they were known as a terrorist. So, so think about that for a moment. Jesus selected a terrorist to be a part of his inner circle. So zealots believed that paying taxes to Rome was an act of blasphemy against their God. So they refused to pay taxes to Rome. And they, and they love to instigate any kind of fight against Rome any way possible that they could. The only people that zealots hated worse than Romans were Jewish tax collectors, people that collected taxes for Rome. They hated them. You see, they saw them as traitors to their country, traitors to their God. Why in the world would a, a, a Jew get wealthy off of the Jewish slavery. I mean, that was a horrible thing. So most of the Jews hated the tax collectors in their day. So zealots, they hated Rome, they hated Romans, and they hated any, anyone who worked for Rome. So Simon was one of those guys that could easily be a loose cannon. So if he was on your team, like maybe worked in your department, worked with you, worked under you, you'd be careful where you put Simon and you wouldn't want Simon in places of prominence because he's probably going to do something that you really didn't want to have happen. You know, here Jesus is promoting a message of peace, hope, and love. And where do you put Simon in that? Because he doesn't live any of that. If it didn't involve overthrowing the Roman government, Simon didn't want anything to do with it. It's interesting that most of Jesus' disciples thought that's what Jesus was going to do. They thought he was going to overthrow the Roman government, set up his kingdom, and they were going to get positions of power in that kingdom. So they were really excited. So come follow me meant, wow, I might get a position of power 
And so do you think a zealot would want to be a part of that? Absolutely. Let's overturn Rome. And maybe I'll end up in a position of power. So we have a few fiery, passionate, opinionated, anti-Roman disciples following Jesus. Seems kind of like a motley crew, doesn't it? Well, then Jesus decides to add to the group. And let's see who he adds. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, it says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Now, what is Matthew doing at a tax collector's booth? He's collecting taxes. He is a tax collector. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Now imagine what was going on in Simon's mind at the time. You know, he sees Matthew up there and Simon's probably thinking, I'm ready to draw my sword and kill this guy. I mean, I hate him so much. And Jesus invites him into our group. Like what in the world? How well do you think Matthew and Simon got along? I mean, how thrilled do you think they were to find out that they were going to be in the same small group together? They were not excited at all with that reality. I'm sure Simon's thinking, Jesus, what is going on? Have you lost your mind? He is the enemy. He's not going to help us overturn the Roman government. He's become wealthy working for them. So what in the world are you doing inviting him to be a part of our group? He's going to mess everything up. We kind of had a, a good thing going on. We have, you know, we've got some obnoxious kind of rowdy kind of guys that are going to help us stir something up. And now you invite Matthew to be a part of the group. Now, I can just see Jesus saying, hey, uh, Simon, hey, come here. I want you to meet somebody. Like, this is Matthew. Matthew. I want you to meet somebody. This is Simon. Hey, Matthew, not sure you knew. Simon's a zealot. Simon, not sure you knew, but Matthew's a tax collector. And guys, I got you down for rooming together on the next trip. <laughs> so I, like, I think it'd be great for you guys to like, get to know each other. Go hang out a little bit. Like, you're going to spend a lot of time together over the next three and a half years. Now watch what Jesus does next. It gets worse. In verse 10, it says, later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. So again, now think, what's going through Simon's mind? I mean, it's bad enough, Jesus, that you've invited him into the group, and now you want me to go hang out with a whole houseful of tax collectors. They are the enemy. I'd rather go in and set off a bomb and leave than go in and hang out. And Jesus says, no, what we're going to do tonight, guys, I understand that none of you disciples want to go to this dinner party, but we're going to go to this dinner party. We're going to hang out with these people here, people that you hate, people that you don't want to associate with at all. We're going to go spend some time with them. And why? Because they're lost and they need to be found. And I'm going to show you, as we go tonight, I'm going to show you the heart of our God I'm going to show you what it means to be a part of his group and who God wants to be a part of this growing group. Verse 11 says, but when the Pharisees saw this, and those were the religious people of the day, the religious leaders of the day who were the most powerful people in that culture, they asked Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? We heard that question asked last week. Verse 12 when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, 
not offer sacrifices. So Jesus gives them a homework assignment. He says, all right, religious leaders, go figure out what this Bible verse means. Like, like, go away. Leave us alone so we can hang out together with these lost people. Jesus says, for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Here's the interesting thing about the community that Jesus wants to create. The community that Jesus is after is a place where the person you least want to be there is always there. You know that person at school maybe that like you just can't stand them. Yeah, Jesus wants them there. Jesus wants them a part of that group. Maybe that that lady at work that you love to avoid because she's so irritating. Yeah, Jesus wants you to invite her to be a part of your group to be a part of our church, maybe to be a part of your small group, maybe to serve with you on a serving team. Jesus wants them to be a part of what God is doing. You see, our world is not starving for groups of people who know how to love people who are just like them. Our world is starving for churches and groups where zealots and tax collectors come together and learn how to love each other. You know, they should hate each other, but because of Jesus, because of Jesus' love, they have learned how to really care for and love each other. Even though they're so different, they've come together with a common purpose, and that's Jesus. So how are you doing at that? How are you doing at loving people who aren't like you? How are you doing at welcoming people into your life who you have nothing in common with. You know, I think about the type of church that God wants to create here at Epic. I think God wants to create a a place, a community, a gathering of people from all different nationalities, all different seasons of life, all different ages. I think that God wants people that would gather together, people with money, people without money, People who have tattoos, people who don't have tattoos. People from the north, people from the south. People from the east, people from the west. People who grew up in the city, people who grew up in the country. People with hair, people without hair. (laughs) We need a few more without hair. I think God wants our churches to be filled with people who are different in almost every aspect of life and yet come together for one common purpose, our love for God and our love for each other and our our love for a lost world. That we wanna reach a lost world. God wants our churches to be filled with people who are so committed to becoming more like Jesus that we will do anything to find lost people. I heard a pastor say recently that he and his church will do anything short of sin to help people find Jesus. Think about that for a moment. I mean, would that be true of you? Would you say that? Like, I'm willing to do anything short of sin to help someone come to know Jesus. I think that's what God wants for all of our churches. I think that's what God wants for us individually, to care that much for people. We're willing to do anything to help find lost people. So who is God looking for? Who does God want to be a part of his family Who does God want to to be a part of this church? The simple answer is everyone. God wants everyone. 
First Timothy chapter two says, this is good and pleases our God, our savior, who wants everyone, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So this is good and pleases God, our savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So God wants everyone to be a part of his community. God wants everyone to be a part of his family. God wants everyone to, to, to be represented in his church family, not just, just people who grew up in the church, not just people who know a lot about the Bible, not just people who maybe make a certain amount of money or b- believe a certain thing. God wants everyone to be invited into this circle. Jesus came to help not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. The reality is for all of us that we will never see another person for whom Jesus didn't die. We will never lock eyes with another person for whom Jesus does not want to be a part of his group, to be a part of his family. A few years ago, I was out front of Walmart, our Walmart up here, sitting in my car, strategically placed, waiting for my wife to come out. I I was just right there. When she walked out the door, I'm pulling up, she's getting in, and we're gone. It's like a getaway, like she was stealing something, but she wasn't. So I was sitting there waiting, and I found myself doing something that that I do often when I'm in kind of that setting. I was just kind of people watching. I, I don't know if you like to watch people, but I love to watch people. We are all just fascinating. I love to be in airports or, or malls and just watch people. We're all very interesting at why we do what we do and why we wear what we wear. And so I'm sitting there um, just watching, and I found myself just kind of describing, mentally describing people that were coming in and out of Walmart. And so like, wow, that's a really tall person that walked in. Like, that's a really short person. Like, wow, I can't believe that person wore that today. And they're going into Walmart. Like, wow, good for them. That's really cool. (laughs) And so God interrupted that little game I was playing. He said, hey, Trent, you want to know what I see? Like, yeah, that'd be cool. And he kind of whispered to me, he said, listen, I see two types of people. I see lost people and I see found people. I see people who will spend an eternity with me and that brings me great joy. And then I see people who don't know me. They're spiritually lost. And if they die without being found, they're gonna spend an eternity apart from me. And that breaks my heart. I don't want that to happen. I want people who will go and tell them how to be found by me. So Trent, you know, cool little game you're playing, but will you start seeing people the way I see people? Will you see people, not just from the outside, not just look at their outside appearance, but will you look deeper? And will you see people as lost and found? No matter where you are, whether it's school or work, your neighborhood, will you see people as lost or found? Will you help me find lost people? Now that little conversation that, that God and I had was kind of a defining moment for me. It was a piece of the puzzle that God was using uh, in forming me as an individual and obviously has had a, a big factor in forming us as a church. So I, I think that's what God wants us to do as a church, to be passionate about finding lost people. You know, there are churches everywhere that are filled with found people. But I think God wants us to be a church who cares very much for the lost, who welcomes them in and helps them be found by God. Now, if you're new with us, our motto as a church is we are a church for people who don't do church. 
Now, it's interesting, we found, uh, we, we kind of stumbled upon this, that it's kind of a dividing line for people. People either love that or hate it. They're either intrigued by it or they're kind of re- repulsed by that little statement. And that kind of tells us a little bit about the people who are reading it and how they're interacting with it. But we don't want to just be a, a church who goes around and, and does church. We don't want to just come here on Sunday, sing a few songs, hear a message, you know, say hi to each other, pat each other on the back, say, hey, doing a good job, see you next week, and then go and not be changed and not care about the stuff that God cares about. We want to come and learn how to really be the church. Like, how does God want us to operate as a church in our small groups when we're serving together, when we gather on Sundays? Then what does God want us to do when we go out from here, when we leave here? Like, the idea is like, this isn't church. This is where we gather to remind each other what it means to follow Jesus. And then we go out into our world to reach people and invite them in to be a part of this group. I think that's what God wants us to be a part of, a place where the sick and the broken are welcomed, where someone far from God could come in and explore I mean, they could really come in and and find a safe place to explore what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, where they could say, you know what, I don't even know if I believe all that you guys believe, but I feel safe enough that I could get some answers to some very big questions that I have. And I, I would love for anybody who wants to hear the teachings of Jesus to come and listen And listen, whether people believe it or not, I know there's probably some folks here today that say, man, I'm just checking it out. I'm not exactly sure that I believe all that you believe. But here's what I think. If you apply the teachings of Jesus, it'll radically change your life, whether you believe it or not. I really think it will. And so I ask you to put it to the test. Like just apply some teachings of Jesus and see what happens in your world. I I think churches should be a safe place for everyone to come and learn what it means to be in a relationship with God. Now, to do that, we have to be very purposeful about some things. We have to be purposeful in how we create our environments that we create. So we're purposeful as a church. On Sunday mornings, we're purposeful with this setting, with our children's ministry, our small groups, our student ministry, our serving opportunities. We're very purposeful in those environments. On Sunday specifically, we are purposeful in how we teach. Because I think everyone should be included in a conversation about God. See, I grew up in church world where if you weren't part of the club, you had no clue what was going on. You had no idea what the pastor was talking about. I don't think that should happen. I think everyone should feel like I could engage that conversation. I may not believe it. I may not know what is exactly all being talked about, but I feel like I can be a part of what is being said there. I could be a part of that conversation and I can engage and I can grow and I can go deeper in that. No one should be left out of that. I feel that God has called me to be as clear as possible how lost people can be found. Sometimes we overcomplicate God's message of grace. It's grace. God's message is a message of grace. That's what Paul said. He said, the most important thing I can do with my life is tell people about the grace of God, that God pours out grace for us. And I think we should be a church of grace, a place that pours out grace for each other so we can learn what it means to be in a relationship with a God who loves us deeply. I think God has called us as a church to tell everyone everywhere that you're welcome. No matter who you are, doesn't matter your background, no matter what you've done, you're welcome. You're invited. You can be a part of what God is doing here. I really think that's what Jesus was talking about when he told the religious leaders, listen, I want you to go learn about mercy. 
What does it mean for you to show mercy? I want you to go learn more about that than how you can stand before God and say, look at all the sacrifices I've made for you. I want you to be more about mercy and grace than about sacrifices. So if you call Epic your church home, my hope and prayer is that you will join us, that you will join us as a church in reaching lost people, that you will care as much about lost people as God does, that you will find yourself, when you're at work or you're in your neighborhood or you're at school, you'll find yourself seeing people the way God sees people. You won't just see the outside and and like, well, I don't really like that person. Well, maybe I like that person a little bit more. But you'll see people the way God sees people as lost and found. And you'll be passionate to help them be found by him. Now, here's what that might mean for you. You might be Simon. And if you are, if you're kind of a passionate, zealot kind of a person, guess what? Guess who's going to be in your small group? A Matthew. Guess who's going to serve with you on your serving team? A Matthew, a tax collector. So what are you going to do? Are you going to say, wow, I guess I better find another place to serve? Or are you going to allow God to use that person to transform you, to teach you what it really means to be a part of God's family? And if you're a Matthew, maybe you're a tax collector, and you say, well, I'm not going to a church where a zealot is, or I'm not serving on that team where there's a zealot, will you serve there? God wants you to not just serve with that person. God wants you to learn how to serve that person and how to love that person that you do not connect with at all. That's the kind of community that Jesus was creating with his disciples. That's the kind of community that he wants us to create today. Now, if you are here today and think that you might fit into that lost category, if you'd say, you know, like, I, I would probably consider myself spiritually lost. I'm not really sure if I have a relationship with God or not. You know, it doesn't matter if you're single or married or divorced, have kids or no kids. None of that matters. It doesn't matter if you're educated, if you're healthy or, or wealthy. It doesn't matter if you have a church background or if you don't know anything about God or the Bible or have never been around church. It doesn't matter if you're addicted or broken or skeptical or searching or struggling. None of that matters. It doesn't matter how far away from God you feel. You need to know that the creator of the universe loves you and he's looking for you. He's been looking for you all of your life. He sent Jesus to come to earth to die so you could possibly be found. Will you allow yourself to be found by him? Now, I'm going to be up here after the service. And if you would say, you know what, I kind of fit in that category. Like, I think maybe I'm spiritually lost. And I would like to start a conversation about what it might look like for me to be found. I'm just going to be hanging out after the service is over. And I encourage you to come up and and talk. I'd love to talk with you more about that. How to be found by Jesus. Because meeting Jesus will change your world It'll change your life, not just today, but for all of eternity. It'll be the greatest thing you've ever done. Greatest person you've ever met is Jesus Christ. So I'd love to talk to you, with you this morning if, um, if you would say you're in that category. So who is God looking for? He's looking for everyone. He's looking for every lost person who wants to be found, every sick person who wants to be healed. So who should we as a church be looking for? Who should we be inviting into our church family? Everyone. Everyone is welcome. Everyone who wants to learn the teachings of Jesus and apply them to their lives. 
is welcome at this church. Will you help us create Epic to be a place like that? Would you join me in a word of prayer? God, I thank you for the challenge of this message. When we look at the disciples, Lord, that was a, an interesting group of men that you gathered around you, Jesus. You know, I always kind of thought, hey, it was kind of a motley little crew, and they were all kind of the same. And yet the reality is they were very different from each other, like hated each other in some contexts. And you did that on purpose. You hand chose them on purpose. You knew that they were different. You knew that they hated each other. And yet you brought them together to teach them what it means to really love. You brought them together to teach them what God's family is all about, what God's kingdom is all about, what our churches should be about, how we should look, how we should operate, how we should interact with the world. You brought them together and said, listen, I know you're different. I want you to love each other. Doesn't matter how far away you're different. Doesn't matter how, how big of a span that is. I want you to learn to love each other because our God loves everyone. And our God welcomes everyone into his family. Everyone has a, a chance if they take it. Everyone has a, an opportunity to respond to the gospel, the message that Jesus died for them. So everyone's welcome. Everyone's included. And Lord, I really believe that our church should be like that. Our church should be more of a hospital than anything else. A place where sick people can be healed, where lost people can be found. A place where people that are skeptical can come and explore. Where someone who's struggling can come and just understand what it means to enter a personal relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus, if we don't meet you, we're lost. So I pray that you would help us to be that kind of church, a church that cares very much for lost people. And I pray that we would be individuals in this church who scour our community looking for lost. And we would care as much about the lost as you do. But help us to see people the way you see people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to Epic and happy St. Patrick's Day. How many of you who are not wearing green have been pinched already this morning? Oh, man. Okay, let me help you out. Back at the Connection Center, there are some green Epic wristbands about our 5G life. So please feel free to pick one of these up because they are green and they'll keep you covered for the day. I hope, I hope though, you had a great, I hope you have a great St. Patrick's Day today, those of you especially who are Irish and enjoy this day. But um, I love that video because that is just a great um, capture. It's a great thing that captures our heart as a church. And that is to serve people so we can help connect people to God. And our kids' areas, our student ministry, our connections team that you see in the morning, our prep team, our tech team all do that of um, helping to create an environment where people who 
are often far from God can connect with God here, sometimes for the very first time. So as we've been talking about serving over the last couple of weeks, and you've been thinking about, should I take the step? Should I try it out? I encourage you, fill out the card and take that step. And you're not locked into that area of service forever. If it's not a good fit, we can reposition you. But if you'd go ahead and fill that out, mark your area of interest, and after the service, turn it into Angie at the Connection Center. She can help you get plugged in um, and be a part of creating a place where people can connect with God. Well, before we go on in our service, let's pray together. Father, we love you, and we thank you that you are so good to, to us, and your heart for us is love. And God, I pray that you would um, just help us to open our hearts this morning to what you want to teach us, Lord, that you would um, speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Trent challenged us this morning with the question of, who is God looking for? And he said, everyone. And that includes our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, our family members. And we have a great opportunity with Easter coming up in just two weeks to reach out to those who may be lost around us in those circles and invite them to Easter. So on, those, um, on your chairs around you, there are some cards, and there's quite a few of them. Take as many as you need and be thinking and praying about and asking this week some of the people around you um, your friends, your family, your neighbors, ask them to Easter, um, as this is a great opportunity to invite them. Also on Easter, we're going to have our first baptism of the year. And for those of you who have put your faith in Jesus and never followed that up with a step of baptism, this is a great opportunity to do so on Easter, day of great celebration in the Atlantic Ocean. So if that's something you're interested in doing, if you would sign up online at www.theepicchurch.com. And for those of us who call Epic our home, we encourage you to give back to what God is doing to help create these environments to connect lost people who are far from God to him. And there's a couple ways you can give. You can give online at theepicchurch.com. There's also giving boxes at the back of each section as well. And if you're a new guest here this morning, we are so glad you are here. Thank you for joining us this morning. We have um, in the back the Connection Center, a place where you can just um, connect with someone who can answer any questions, and they will also have a brochure for you with more information about Epic, and we'd love for you to swing by there. And this morning, if Trent's message tugged on your heart and you want to engage a conversation with him about how can I be found and have that, start that conversation, he's going to be up here at the front. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you have a great day. Happy St. Patrick's Day.